0: Ryan
1: Nickers. Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand.
2: Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once the neck, goal is <laughs> in that. Get it tested. up the three. One go. Rebound by. What is going on guys? You're listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo Faiz and Dean here. Uh, we are a day removed from the Knicks loss against the Pelicans and we're going to get into all that and the pre- prior two games. Uh, really excited to talk about it despite the loss. But first, make sure you check out our website nick-ish.com. Cop yourself some Nickish gear. We got some hoodies, we got some shorts, and we got some hats all ready for you to cop and wear to your next Knicks game. Now bringing my guy Faiz, What is going on, bro? How are you feeling this morning?
1: Um, I'm still tired from last night, man. Oh my god, how the weekend is always just just not too old for this, man. Way too old for this. But uh, in general, you know, was excited for the next season to start, but you know, start with the loss. Looking looking like one two right now, which is not ideal. Um, so I'm not in a great mood, but you know, shit goes on. It's okay. Well, we'll, we'll bounce back for the next games. Um, but I'm excited to have Dean on the pod. It's always nice to have Dean on the pod. Uh, love being able to talk to, to Dean about his thoughts on the Knicks and the Knicks season. One of the best minds on Knicks Twitter. So got to bring my guy Dean in.
0: Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, didn't catch the Knicks opener like I was telling Mo. I went to see Killers of the Flower Moon uh, in theaters and IMAX. Cinematography was great. Movie was way too long. Not gonna lie, it was way too long. The acting was great, no complaints overall. But after like seven different previews, and I went in there at six six o'clock, and we got out at like nine forty five. Damn.
1: <laughs> well, but we're yeah. seeing another Leo Oscar. You think it was that good?
0: No, I definitely no? Oh, don't think that that's damn. a Leo Oscar. <sighs> Shit. it was like he was like playing an SNL character. You know, it was too. It was like he, it was, he was doing a bit. He was doing a bit. The character, the main character guy was very like, dim-witted, and that was the point. Um, okay. But I'm not here to... I've, I've never critiqued a movie on video. I'm not a big movie buff, again, like I was saying. Right. So maybe I just don't have the proper appreciation for it. But since I missed that game, and since I'm not a big fan of Halloween, and I didn't have a costume, I made it a point to stay in and watch Friday and Saturday Nick Games. Big mistake. So, well, Friday was good. Friday, <laughs> Friday energized me a little bit. It's oh man, good. the end of that game was giving me
1: fucking palpitations, man. I was not.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trey Young is now five and thirteen in the regular season against the Knicks. So that King of New York stuff, I think, is we can retire all that but dead. Mm-hmm. all but dead. And uh, yeah, so that was fun. Even though I think the defense could have been better, uh, but last night was gross. But we're we're gonna get into all of it.
2: Yeah, I mean this is really the first episode of Nickish after the season started. Um, this is season six of of the brand in the show. So let's let's get some quick recaps for everyone listening on what happened against Boston, against the, the Hawks, and uh we'll get into the Pelicans as well. So whoever wants to summarize the Boston game, let's let's go for it. What happened?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I got you guys. I could I could talk a little bit about that home opener. Um it, it wasn't ideal, but it, it was great to see the Knicks be competitive. Uh, in the game while Jalen Brunson had probably one of his worst games in a Knicks uniform. Um, Julius Randle had one of his regular pumpkin games. He was not looking too great out there. Uh, that was really frustrating, but uh, I would say the Knicks for majority of the game, they were in it. They like the first quarter, they started really slow, but you know, they got back, they got back in the game. They they looked pretty, pretty decent, but uh, at the end of it, it was, um, I would say a lot of it was bad officiating. I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not one of those people who like blaming officiating, but you could see like Jason Tatum, even in the heat game, just getting a lot of calls. And I don't know, I'm I'm okay with Jason Tatum getting those calls. They started giving like Derek White calls and shit. And I was like, Come on, man, what like you guys can't make it this obvious, but uh despite that, like uh Porzingis Porzingis kind of demolished us, he he was looking like he was looking like Nick's Porzingis out there. Like he was blocking shots, uh, he was altering shots, he was making shots, and he he looked like he was pretty comfortable in that in that Celtics offense. And I think it was like one of the highest scoring debuts for a Celtic. You know, uh, the
2: the highest scoring debut, yeah.
1: Yeah, there you go. So uh, very unfortunate to see that I had to come at the expense of the Knicks. But uh, I'll be honest, when I watched that game, I wasn't really too concerned about the Knicks. It was more like Jalen Brunson had a bad game. Where like the fact that we were even that close in a game with Jalen Brunson being that bad, where we even took a lead in the fourth, but then we diminished it. We did. We, did, we let it go. Um, I, I felt hopeful, and then I don't know. The Hawks game wasn't great, but you know, I'll, I'll let Dean, I'll let Dean talk about the 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 back to back because he he got to watch those.
0: Yeah, so the Hawks game, again, glad that the Knicks won their first road game. But I felt like they were not giving enough resistance on D. I mean, they won 126-120. You don't want to let up 120. I mean, the Hawks play a fast-paced game, but uh, Trey Young was 4 of 16. So, like, they kind of let DeAndre Hunter go off. DeAndre Hunter had um, 27 points on 8 of 13 shooting. And I've never been a big DeAndre Hunter fan, so... I hate giving that up to him. But Jalen Brunson was the story of that Hawks game, 31 points, eight of 12 from three. Wish he could have done a little more inside the arc. He was three for nine inside the arc. Um, Could have been a real – I mean, it was a signature performance from him, but you felt like the three-point shooting, eight of 12 from three, was just a little bit unsustainable going forward. And RJ, 26 points after 24 in the opener. Uh, and he had 18 last night. So he's leading the Knicks right now with 22.7 points per game. I think that's right around where you want him. And we always hope to see RJ score at 25 a game, but 23 points a game with this improved passing vision that he's shown. He looked locked in on defense. Very happy with RJ. I think that's, I mean, Jalen Brunson's uh, Jalen Brunson sandwiched this 31-point performance in between two very weak performances. So right now, I think the consensus among Knicks fans is that RJ and Mitchell Robinson have come in looking fantastic. And that's that's something to take away. I mean, the Knicks are 1 and 2, so they're 0 for 1 at home, 1 and 1 on wow. the road. No huge deal dropping a game to the Pelicans on the road. The Pelicans are a good team, but to do it in the fashion that they did, to never lead, that was not a good look and then as as we're all going to get into Julius Randle has struggled mightily with his own offense. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: we we, we got to talk about RJ and Mitch first, like, holy shit, man. It feels like watching them play in these three games, it feels like they're the only ones who have either maintained or worked on their craft over the summer, where uh I think before when we were talking about one of the pods, we, we were talking about RJ, and I think we all just dialed in that, oh, we're, we're expecting RJ to have one of those slow starts like he always does, but it feels like the complete opposite. It feels like he's picking it right. He's picking it back right where he left it off with, the Knicks playoff run with the, the the Canadian run. So it's really nice to see that RJ, RJ has been consistent with that. And then Mitchell Robinson, like he, he's been a force on, on honestly, both ends, like catching lobs. We're seeing him um, um, like ultra shots, block shots. So I feel like they're the only two who have been like locked in and ready to game. And I don't know if that's because the other guys hadn't prepped as much over the summer, or if it's just that these guys just worked a little harder, but you're seeing it pay off in, in the first three games.
0: Yeah, I think we need to – this is a point I wanted to make going in. We need to be trying to feed Mitch. There's – like he's, he's working so hard on the offensive glass. Fantastic defense. Again, in that Hawks game, he had four blocks and four steals, you know, eight total stocks. That's ridiculous. Um, but there's times when we default to, you know, nothing's really going on. We just swing the ball around the perimeter until somebody shoots a three. And the somebody who shoots a three is shooting a three that anyone in the possession could have shot, if that makes sense. Like, you know, they're half open and five people pass up that half open three and then Julius Randle takes it, bricks it. There have been a lot of bricks for Julius Randle so far. Um, Just forcing up threes when I think the offense at times, if things aren't going right for the offense, if we're not in that flow, we can be running high pick and rolls with Mitchell Robinson. We need something to fall back on so that it's not just a hot potato and then somebody towards the end of the possession is going to have to jack up a three because the Knicks have not been getting, in my opinion, those quality three-point looks.
2: Yeah. I mean, Mitch might be the best offensive rebounder in the game today. And it feels like most of the points that he gets are off his own offensive rebounds. So I agree with you 100%. It feels like R.J. Bear is really the only player who actually looks out for Mitch when he drives in to try to get him an easy lob, more players need to step up and do that. I mean, shots to Mitch, he got 10 offensive rebounds last night out of 15 rebounds, 10 of them were offensive and he still scored eight points. So that, that just tells you the story of the kind of game that the Knicks were in yesterday. When the, when the Pelicans were locked in on defense, Mitch could not put it right back up. He passed it out and they would break up the shots. I mean, overall the, you wouldn't expect on a game three on the first back to back that you have in the season that the Knicks would look this sluggish and this slow. And it is for me a concern that a Tom Thibodeau team isn't fighting. Um the everyone knows that this schedule is not e- an easy schedule to start with. The Knicks have another back-to-back in like three days when they see Cleveland on a Tuesday and they see Cleveland on Wednesday. A very tough team to play against. The Knicks cannot be in this mode and mood right now when they are sluggish and slow. And everyone else needs to step up. And Randall, if we're ready to get into him, has been horrible overall for this season. I mean, he's shooting 27% overall as a player. 27% is, is horrible. I mean, I don't know if it was a matchup against Zion last night where he felt the need to try to be the primary scorer because Zion was killing him. He could not contain Zion and he couldn't keep up with his own shots. Eight turnovers in one game is fucking insane. And they are all bad turnovers. They're not turnovers where he's trying to make a smart pass. They're turnovers because the shot clock is about to hit zero and he's driving in and trying to make a .5 second remaining pass to Mitchell Robinson who can't catch the ball because it's a horrible pass and then they turn the ball over. I mean, it was a terrible game for Randall. For me, it's a concern because we need Randall to be who he has been in past few seasons as one of the best players that we have to at least bring us into the playoffs. And then we'll worry about Randall. We're not really supposed to worry about him at the start of the season, but because he's playing how he is for me, it is a concern. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on how he's, how he plays going forward.
0: And while we're airing out concerns, this caught my eye when I was looking at just the Knicks averages over the first three games, Quentin Grimes has attempted five twos over three games. We hear, <laughs> we heard all off season, that Quentin Grimes was going to have the ball more, he was going to have the opportunity to create more. He wasn't just going to be relegated to catch and shoot threes. And on average, he's he's making point seven twos a game, averaging one point uh, seven attempts. So he's you know that's not that's just not enough coming from that two spot. And Quentin Grimes is a quintessential three and D shooting guard, yes. But when Julius Randle's offense isn't there. You just need more. And so we've we've been seeing some calls on Twitter uh, that maybe Emmanuel quickly should be starting at the two for his ability to create. And just to get him some more minutes and some more touches. I, you know, Tibbs does things in a very regimented way. He likes to have quickly coming off the bench. But I, like, if the Knicks are one and four after five games, I'm making that switch. I'm, I'm getting quickly in there and giving him the green light to just create something for this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have been seeing um, Tom Thibodeau uh, leaning a little bit more into, uh, in general, IQ and Brunson. We saw him close out, the, I believe, the Celtics game with IQ and, and Brunson. So I, I'm not opposed to that idea, especially when you're seeing that Quentin Grimes, the role that we want him to have, I feel like it's being pushed on a Dante DiVincenzo more, where we're seeing Dante bring up the ball with Josh Hart and, like, I just kind of don't want to see that. If I'll be honest, I'm not that confident in Dante DiVincenzo yet. And I was one of the guys who was very, I would say excited about getting like adding a player like Dante to our team, because I feel like he could fill in the holes in between, but it really does feel like we're asking him to, him to do a lot more than he can. And he's taking a lot more shots than, than I'd be comfortable with him seeing. Um, I, I totally agree with you with Grimes too. Like I think we talked about it uh, briefly, just maybe amongst ourselves, but um, uh, I like that Quentin Grimes has a has a quick three to shoot, but sometimes, like you see the way he can run someone off the three-point line and take it in himself. I want to see a little bit more of that, or like at least using those tools like we've seen with RJ, because Quentin does have an ability to get to the rim. Maybe he could use that to pass out. Or, you know, we should like be trying to see him uh not more passive in general, but just being able to 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 make plays out of like using the skill set that he has, because he's a very skilled player and we're seeing the improvement among amongst guys like RJ, amongst guys like Mitch. And I want to credit Johnny Bryant for that, because I feel like a lot of the elements of the play that we want to see that we saw him help uh, other guys like Donovan Mitchell develop. So I don't think it's impossible for Quinn Grimes to, to get there. I just actually want to see that happen. And uh, I'm with you, Dean. I think, I think maybe injecting IQ to that starting lineup wouldn't be a bad idea. I do think he's been shooting kind of like he has been shooting great but with IQ, what he brings on the defensive end and just in general with the on-court awareness, sometimes him not shooting well doesn't hurt us as much as a guy like Julius Randle not shooting well, which which kind of really, really hurts.
0: Yeah, right now we're dealing with a three-game sample and everything just makes more sense and looks better if Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle don't have two games where both of them are awful. You know, obviously the home opener against Boston or the season opener and last night versus new orleans both of them struggled mightily in the same game we're not going to win those games we're just not going to win those games cuz their roles in the offense are just too large and what's unfortunate about julius randall struggling is he's still going to want those iso opportunities from the elbows um that's still what we're going to default to so often and i even even when he's got it really going like i just hate watching that just the product i mean <laughs> It's not all like, you know, winning and wins and losses is the most important thing, but it's also just the product as a fan and like <laughs> Iso Randall is the most disgusting thing about watching the Knicks. Um eight turnovers last night and they were not like, oh man, he, this guy got unlucky a few times. They were all Julius Randall trademark turnovers. Just uh just not a nice viewing experience. And so my thing is You know, last year, that starting lineup, once I think the Knicks were 10 and 13, once they, once they, and then they removed Rose and Fournier from the rotation. Tom Thibodeau loves to talk about this starting lineup, you know, the one we started this season with of Brunson, Grimes, RJ, Randall, Mitch, how positive of a net rating they had last year. Just because it's been that way doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. And that's my biggest point. And, you know, Quentin Grimes is struggling to find a role for himself with these starters. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and Jalen Brunson are all incredibly ball dominant, and R.J. is the only one so far where we've seen that that hasn't been an issue because his decision making has been so on point. He's been scoring the ball, he's been passing better than he ever has, making quick decisions with the ball. So, I don't know. I think a I think a shakeup might be necessary. Like on paper, it looked like this starting lineup has this really positive net rating from last season, and now you got Divincenzo with the bench. You got another year for Hart to get comfortable. Quickly, Hart and Stein. Like, we know that these are all great bench pieces, but the Knicks aren't playing better than the sum of their parts right now. I think they're struggling to mesh, even though the continuity is there, which sucks. You want to get yeah. off to a hot start, but they're one and two.
2: Yeah, and I'm one of those people who try to not generalize off, like, a small kind of sample size to work with. But, like, this team has probably the deepest level of continuity, or at least one of the deepest levels of continuity in the NBA. I mean, just with all the players that have resigned over the last three to four years, there shouldn't be chemistry issues. There shouldn't be that much of a, who should be in what position, what spots should we be in at what time that shouldn't be a problem this season, but it seems like there's a problem, a big problem of players like our star players like Randall and even Brunson not knowing where their spots are and just forcing to drive in and forcing shots up. Like we're, we're in year five of the Randall kind of, you know, time with the Knicks and he's played with all these players minus one or two for multiple seasons. So at the, at this point, it can't be what you see is what you get. It has, there has to have been a high level of improvement and we're supposed to be able to compete with new Orleans. We're supposed to beat Atlanta and we're, we're supposed to be a playoff team. And I mean, I hope to eat my words later. I'm a little concerned of the kind of team that was put together after this season by taking out Toppin and replacing him with Dante DiVincenzo. I don't think DiVincenzo really fills in a need. We have players that can do what DiVincenzo already does. I don't see how he really benefits the team too much. I mean, and Hart just signed a freshly minted $40 million contract. What has he done the last three games that's been impactful He's been, he was incredible for us last season. We need to see more of what he did last season this year. Again, it's only been three games. Well, there, there is time for them to gel and put it together. But that gel kind of time period, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't say you need 10 to 15 games to really gel together. You all gelled together last season. And then you had Dante. That's it. We You have had the time. Put it together ASAP. Otherwise, they're, like you said, Dean, There there's probably going to need to be a shakeup.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further with your guys' uh comments on the team's chemistry. Like we saw what the issue was last season in the postseason with the Knicks transition defense. How teams were Kevin Love in the playoffs was throwing quarterback lobs to the other side where they would get free easy layups. And I saw that in the Celtics game with Drew Holiday and whatnot. And I would think that would be a point of emphasis for Tom Thibodeau, defensive-minded coach, with continuity of his players and whatnot. Um, It it just didn't feel like that was of the utmost importance. When I feel like, especially teams who are playoff-bound, when they're looking at scouting reports and they know that that's an issue for the Knicks on defense – they're going to exploit that. When there's veteran savvy players like Drew Holiday who can pass the ball at that level, they're going to exploit that. Or even if they can, know, they know that if they can outrun and outpace the Knicks and get to that side and someone's going to make that pass, those are free points. And that's what kills you in certain quarters. Like it feels like, yeah, that's just two points, but it's part of the e- ebbs and flows of the game. And that could really like stunt a Knicks, a, a, a Knicks run or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, like even besides that, it, it, it is frustrating to see, Josh Hart and DiVincenzo be relegated to such like important roles. Um, I feel like Josh Hart I'm not as concerned about because we will see his impact on defense, on rebounding. Like We know what he has to offer. DiVincenzo I'm a little bit concerned about because it does feel like it feels like he's like a mercenary on this team who's just here to shoot a bunch of uh, a bunch of shots and I I don't want to see that like I want him to have nice. a role within the offense like it, it, you can't just you can't you, you got the contract you don't now you don't have to prove yourself now now you have to be a team player you have to be within the system and I'm hoping that it just takes some time because we know what DiVincenzo can offer I, I like his hustle I'm seeing him grab his own misses because he shoots so poorly from the three that that that's just ripping off and he has to go grab it. But I want to see that be used for, for, for something better. And I'm, I will also say, I don't want to hit the complete panic and doom button yet. Obviously it's been three games, small sample size, but you know, in that small sample size, the first two games, the Knicks look great from three. And I think, you know, regression just happened in this last game where they were taking those shots, but nobody in the starting lineup made more than one, three. Julius Randle, I think he he didn't he didn't make a three. He was zero for five, and then Brunson, Barrett, and Grimes all shot one for five or one for six. Like that's so frustrating. You you can't you can't win a game like that. Nobody makes more than one three. Divincenzo, another guy, one for five. That's that's not okay. That's really not okay. And you know, I'll say the Hawks game we kind of got bailed out from with the Jalen Brunson incredible performance with the eight for 12 from three I think that's the most threes he's made in the game I want to see some more of that you know just the shots going down but I'm gonna I'm gonna harp in on a point Dean made earlier like you want to see better shots like taking threes is good I get it like you this is in this modern day NBA you want to see multiple threes attempted and whatnot but it's the type of threes you want to see I don't want to see those like Dean said earlier, the threes that are just being swung around, and then Julius Randle ends up taking some hot potato, ugly ass three. Like I, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see a process to this this offense, and I'm hoping that it's just, it's just a little bit of meshing with Dante. That's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna chalk it up to. Uh, he he's playing key minutes in in the lineup. Like for someone who's freshly in the rotation, he's playing 20 minutes. He's playing Josh Hart minutes. He's playing well. I think IQ gets 20 minutes too, right? Am I? Yeah, IQ's getting about he got 19 minutes in this last game. So he's getting a really big role for someone who might not fully know this offense yet. So I, I think Tibbs Tibbs got a tinker, and it's crazy to say this for once. I think I might actually not feel that bad about Tibbs. Like I feel like his tinkering in general, like I, I liked what he's been putting out in terms of lineups. I think he went with the hot hands at the end of the Celtics game. Like I feel like we are seeing the slightest, smallest evolution of Tibbs. But I'm 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 accept I'm accepting it. I'll accept it and I'll I'll take it. <laughs> so hopefully he can continue and and make improvements to this offensive lineup. Like
2: hey, they're not playing 45 minutes a game. That's 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 something. They're all averaging 30 to 32 minutes per game. That is that is important. So at least there is somewhat of load management that's taking place.
1: Yeah, I mean, but we could see a little less. I mean, I guess we are seeing the random minutes we are because no, will be topping. So that's why we're seeing him lead the team in minutes with the, with the 34 minutes in the last game against the Pelicans. But um, I mean, saying this out loud is making me realize why DiVincenzo's getting those minutes with having no backup power forward. You're relying much more on Josh Hart to play that power forward role. And who's going to fill in that gap that Josh Hart has left in the small forward shooting guard role, Dante DiVincenzo. And it's like a cascade effect. So that like, I know a lot of people, including myself, was like kind of harsh on Obi Toppin and saying that like, oh, you know, the Knicks will be fine. The Knicks will be fine. He's not that great, but whatever. And I'll I'll be honest. I'm I'm really missing Obi Toppin right now. I'm really missing him in our bench unit because yeah, maybe he's not the greatest shooter, but those impactful power forward minutes makes a huge difference, and and we're seeing it right now.
0: Yeah, Obi also just gave the Knicks offense so much structure with the second unit. Like you know that the Knicks second unit. Obi was always going to be flying down the court, ready to catch and finish, whether it was a lob or just him getting out ahead of everyone. And he gave the Knicks some identity. And yeah, like what you've been saying, I like DiVincenzo. I like the addition of DiVincenzo. But the Knicks bench, like, it needs to be a strength. They need to be the best or at least a top three bench in the league. And if they're just playing your turn, my turn basketball with the bench, you know, Hartenstein isn't. He's not that force down low that Ob is, and uh, we've even seen we've seen some of Julius Randle with the bench. I, I don't, I may not be thrilled about Randall with the starters, but I'm also not like I'm not a fan of Randall with the bench because I just don't want to see the bench playing Randall ball. I don't want to see us defaulting to Randall ball at all. Really, so,
1: sounds like you're just not a fan of Randall at
2: all. So just sounds like we're gonna get him out. That's that's basically <laughs> the only solution here. Then he cannot pee on this team
0: yeah like we were saying uh, we were pouring <laughs> cold water on the idea of on our last podcast the idea of trading for cat uh, but like
2: <laughs> have somebody we're
0: doing that least i don't
2: know i kind of want you to do like me. maybe
1: we do need to do maybe we should swap Randall for cat i don't know uh, hey,
2: do. if it's a swap sure but other than the rj and Randall nah, and, nah, and nah, like well the three picks and especially
1: like, after like i feel like the way rj's been playing man you know we're talking about him offensively I feel like I like what RJ's been giving on defense, too. Like, I've seen him navigate around screens. Like, I've been screaming at the television for so long. RJ needs to learn how to navigate around a screen. And it's not perfect, but it's much better. Like, I saw him navigating around some screens when they were getting switches with Brandon Ingram. And it looked pretty decent. And a lot of those shots that Brandon Ingram made were tough shots. And speaking of tough shots, it's so frustrating when I'm watching this game Every single commentator is like, that's a tough shot from the Knicks. That's a tough shot from the Knicks. Why are you guys taking such tough shots? We don't really have a it. lot of tough shot makers. Like, I would call Randall a tough shot maker. Yes, he makes tough shots, you know, very inconsistently, but he makes tough shots. But the rest of the team aren't tough shot makers. Why are we taking such such crazy shots? Like, I feel like Patrick Ealing. Did you did you practice that? One legged step back there? You did what did you practice that
2: in the fucking man? And I mean, it's, it's a little different, but Brunson is getting called for a technical foul. Every single game. Two
1: flops. He already got five he, for two flops,
2: two flops. And yesterday when and they Ingram stepped one. on him, Ingram stepped on him and then he started complaining to the ref. He got hit with another technical foul. Brunson, like, I don't, I don't think those should be called flops. I mean, especially after a decade of seeing James Harden do the same exact thing. And Demar and Rosen, and even Curry, like it's, it's bullshit now that they're calling it every game yeah, on Brunson. It was like
1: one of the refs points of emphasis, but I feel like we're just it's, we're just seeing them throw it willy-nilly instead of actually putting it into account the way it should be. There's in no
2: there's no way it's gonna be a They already retracted call.
1: The, the, the Celtics one against uh against Dane. They already said that that was not supposed to be a flop, blah 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 blah. Uh, and how do they reward him? Call another flop on the fucking Pelicans game. Right? And Jalen Brunson, I would say, is like especially on the three-point line he's not really a flopper like if you want to tell me in the paint he gets a little floppy sure i'll give it to you but like around the three-point line i feel like he's pretty consistent like i don't Uh, know
2: yeah i don't know though they're way more egregious foul uh, flops that we've seen over the years that are never called and you're calling ones on this one where he could actually i mean all right what, what do you guys you guys you guys don't think those were actual flops No, those
0: weren't flops. And that's just one of those dumb NBA point of emphasis things that they're going to start the year doing and then they're going to stop doing. I mean, to get Jalen Brunson for this every game when one of them, the league, admitted that it was horse shit, it's just just dumb. I mean, I don't know. I'm not not a fan of these calls. Like, if a guy shoots a three and then falls down, as long as he's not getting up and screaming at the ref afterwards, you know, like, Jalen's not Luka Doncic. He's not Devin Booker where – after every possession, there's there's chirping going on. I noticed um I wanted to I almost tweeted about it like the, the Sun's first game. Devin Booker gets to the rim, great move, wide open layup, smokes the layup and then just stops and starts chirping at the ref. I was like, Oh my god, the NBA is back. The NBA is so bad. Devin Booker is screaming at the ref over absolutely nothing. Over smoking um, the layup. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh you know, I'm glad the NBA is back. I'm especially, I, I'm really captivated by this Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren situation. Like no. for the NBA to get two absolute unicorn bigs in at the same time. Obviously, Chet is like a Ben Simmons rookie where last year you missed from injury and maybe he's got the benefit of being around the team for a year. But um, the influx of talent in the league is awesome. And we're going to get to see some of these guys when the Knicks go up against them. And I'm excited for that. Here's one thing that we didn't have on the docket, but I want to talk about it. Um, We've seen some victory laps about Jalen Duran, Jalen Duran looking amazing in in Detroit, and um, people saying, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks were short-sighted and, and giving up Jalen Duran, and they fumbled the bag, whatever. Mitchell Robinson has looked great, and Isaiah Hardenstein is probably the best backup center in the league. So the center situation with the Knicks is is not the problem. Like you're not gonna. You know, the Knicks, the Knicks didn't draft Jalen Dern to keep him. Like, Jalen Dern was always going to get moved. And it is what it is. Let's not look backwards like that. You know, let's be grateful for what we have. Like, Mitchell Robinson is the Knicks center. I think, and going back to what I was saying before, but I want to see the Knicks running some more pick and roll with Mitch to give this offense some structure. Um, You know, when you got Mitchell Robinson, you need, like, when you have a center who doesn't shoot the ball outside of layups and dunks, you need that spacing around them and I want to see Mitch play without Randall more often. I mean, the Knicks have the capability now to run RJ or Hart at the four and have shooters everywhere. We need to be running lineups with four shooters and Mitch. And in those lineups, we need to be getting Mitch the ball because I can say that now, but then I know once the time actually comes where let's say we have let's say we have Brunson quickly RJ Hart or Brunson quickly Grimes RJ. With Mitch, we're still not going to see Mitch getting the ball because the Knicks just aren't programmed to get him the basketball. But we need to be getting him the basketball. And Hartenstein, too. I mean, Hartenstein, like, I don't remember which game it was here on this back-to-back, but he missed the free throw, got his own rebound, and threw it down. Like, he can attack the rim, too. We need to be trying to get our centers involved attacking the rim and pick and roll. Like I'm saying, the Knicks just need more structure on offense. Just swing the ball around. Like, moving the ball is great. The Knicks have moved the ball better at some times than others. But swing, 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 and then taking a semi-contested three, especially when it's Randall, who's not an excellent shooter from the outside. I just don't think that's the way to go. Yeah, I dude, mean but
1: I'll say like um the the Knicks the Nick fad brain has been rotted by ESPN propaganda of Stephen A. Smith constantly complaining about players he did not know existed before a draft but then later seeing being like I always wanted Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks I always wanted Tyrese Halliburton on the Knicks I always wanted the- we should have never drafted this player so Knicks fans were were chirping those same comments they're just they're just rotten in the head from hearing it constantly on on um, ESPN and whatnot and to your point like I don't think Jalen Dern would have came on the Knicks and then suddenly became this player. Like a lot of that has to do with the team he's playing on the type of players that are around him and what, what he's given on the offense. If we're not giving Mitch those opportunities on offense, he's not going to excel at those things. Instead, we're going to see him excel at what he's been given to do. And that's offensive rebounding. That's, you know, uh uh like putting back what he gets and i i wouldn't see jalen Jordan doing the same things that mitch does i'm very happy with mitchell robinson in, in this offense but i just real quick to your point about the the Chat Holmgren thing, i really feel like eight years from now we're gonna get one of those you know sb nation they do those beef history videos we're gonna get a beef history video between chet holmgren and women yama those guys i really feel like that's gonna be a battle the a battle for the ages i feel like they're gonna start beefing real crazy soon like
2: hopefully you know, i mean that's, I saw, that'd be
0: awesome something i saw that's crazy is like no generally an nba player's prime is when he's about 28 years old Wemby's gonna be 28 years old during the 2032 2033 season so i'm just praying that he stays healthy because we might have a real we might really have something here with yeah. Victor Wimbanyama as just yeah. another star in the league. And I'm you know, not going to lie, just having that, a star big man, it just feels right.
1: Bro, when everyone was hyping him up crazy in, in the beginning, it's not that I was doubtful of him. It's not that I was saying that, oh, this is like he's not going to be a good player. But I was like, you guys are over hyping him. He's not going to be that good. Nah, man. He, he's fucking that good. Like seeing him out on the floor and shit, it's, it's beyond anything my eyes could imagine or fathom. Like we called. Porzingis a unicorn? Porzingis looks tame compared to the shit Wenbin is doing out there on both ends of the floor. And, like, like it's so crazy with him, you could break it down further and further. Like, it's not just both ends of the floor. Like, what KP was doing on offense, he wasn't creating his own shot. Like, we're seeing sometimes Wembenyama Yama make his own shot, and I'm just like, how is this guy... Like, just... Like, how do you see someone who makes other basketball players look short? I have never, never felt like... I watched a basketball game where I'm like, yo, those players are actually really tall because when you usually see them on the screen, you're like, oh yeah, whatever. They all look average height together. No, Wembenyama is towering over everyone else. He's, he's the restricted, the the restricted uh, area dunks he has. Oh my God, man. Like let him put on a little bit of muscle like Giannis unstoppable, man. I, I, I'm a i a truther. I believe in Wembenyama. He, he got me, man.
2: Yeah. As long as he puts on the weight and is able to keep healthy, I would I can't wait to see what he's gonna do for in the NBA for seasons to come. I want to touch on the Jalen Duran thing because that season, that draft season, nobody was talking about Jalen Duran. Well, most people were not talking about Jalen Duran. The primary target was Jaden Ivy. What has Jaden Ivey been doing in the NBA so far? Not as much. Probably will. He does have a high potential. You guys already called it. I mean, Jalen Duran on the Knicks would not be Jalen Duran on uh from the pistons so we got mitchell robinson time to move on get at jane ivy it's all good we got jalen brunson we got between mitch and brunson versus ivy and durin i think we got the better two of the four so i think i think we're good we're good to to move forward from that so let's let's do some quick predictions of what we have on the docket for the rest of the week and i think we can wrap up this episode of nickish so who well, the Knicks got next?
1: Uh, the Knicks play on Tuesday, Halloween, and then uh, uh they play again on Wednesday. So it's gonna be a back to back, both against the Cavs. And I think um Tuesday's game is gonna be at Cleveland, and then Wednesday's game is gonna be at MSG. And then uh Friday night Knicks, we get the Knicks at Bucks. So <laughs> a little bit of a tough schedule, I'll say. You're, you're playing against teams that are potentially top five in the East, and we're gonna see Dame game versus versus New York on Friday. So,
0: uh. yeah, here's what we got so far. I mean, Knicks lost a close one in the opener against the Celtics, who are an incredibly strong team. So we've got, you know, a loss that you could feel okay about, a win that you feel good about, but there's still low-hanging fruit that the Knicks could have, you know, the Knicks could have won that game by more. They could have played better on the defensive end against the Hawks, and then a terrible loss to the Pelicans. So we got pretty, like, a decent loss, Pretty good win, and then an awful loss. So we're 1-2, and got this back-to-back against the Cavs. The Knicks dominated the Cavs in the first round. That was something that every Knicks fan feels great about. The whole basketball zeitgeist took note of the Knicks pounding the Cavs in the playoffs. It's a huge plus for us. We need to win both of these games, in my opinion. The Bucs game is going to be super difficult. The Knicks need to show that, like, oh, we're still that team – that demolish this Cavs team. If the Knicks if the Knicks split, you know, that's that's one thing it depends on how the games go, but we like the tone of this podcast hasn't been super positive aside from how we feel about RJ and Mitchell Robinson and that opener for quickly where quickly was amazing. But if the Knicks are 1 and 4 going into that Bucks game and those last two losses came against a team who we really had their number in the playoffs, that would just That would be an awful vibe to start the year, an awful vibe. And the Knicks' schedule is tough to open the season, but the Knicks have high hopes. You know, somebody – I don't know who on ESPN said that the Knicks could be the the third-best team in the Eastern Conference. That's a lofty – that's a lofty expectation, but I do think the Knicks should be competing to be the best of the teams after that Celtics and Bucks top of the East. So if we're 1-4 and and we lose to this Cavs team that we demolished in the first round last year – that would not be a good look going into so that
1: bucks game. What's your prediction, Deed? You, what you got for the rest of the week?
0: All right. So prediction, damn. I, I'm always like I always tweet before the Knicks game's like final score prediction. And it's always the Knicks winning by like seven to twelve <laughs> points. I only predict Knicks wins, but I'm gonna predict that we split the Cavs games and we lose to the Bucks. So I'm predicting uh I guess I'm predicting a, a two and four record. At the end of the, uh, this coming That's week. That's so
1: unfair, bro. That's exactly what I was gonna call. It. Now for parody, I'm not gonna call that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with something different. Uh, but what I'm gonna go with different? I'll, you know, a lot of people would expect me to just say that the Knicks win the two games against the Cavs and lose against the Bucks. And fuck that. I'm gonna say they split the game against the Cavs and they win in Milwaukee. Fuck Dame. The Knicks got this. <laughs> they're gonna go. They're gonna go two and one. I, if if I'd be honest, I would rather have Dean's pick. I really do feel like they're going one and two, splitting the Cavs games and the Bucks. But for parody's sake, I'm I'm gonna say the Knicks go two and one this week.
2: So I'm gonna say the Knicks go two and zero oh against the Cavs and probably lose to the Bucks. I mean, the only reason why I'm saying that is because Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland were both out yesterday against the Pacers. So assuming that, okay. between at least one of those two are gonna be out, they're dealing with early early season injuries. Assuming one of those guys will also be out against the Knicks or at least they're coming back from injury, I think we're going to have that advantage over them and uh, kill them both games. I mean, Mobley has stepped up. He's killing it. He destroyed it. I mean, he I'm lost sure that the Pacers, not. but he he played really well. Uh, Karis Revert stepped up, but like, I feel like our guys are just better than those guys right now, especially when we talk about Mitch versus Mobley. I, I, I'll put my money on Mitch to hold it down.
1: I've not paid attention to anything coming out of the Cavs. Honestly, anything coming out of any team that's not the Knicks. So, um, sheesh. Let me repeat this. Oh God damn! He scored thirty three against the Pacers. Damn. With one three. Damn. Yeah. Holy
0: quick, shit! Uh, <laughs> we can finish with a quick Obi Toppin update. Uh, Nineteen minutes in the Pacers opener. He had eleven points, four rebounds. Solid performance, but you know, not a ton of minutes. And uh, last night, 19 minutes again, four points, four rebounds. Um, We're seeing some Knicks fans do victory laps, but like, oh, I saw one joke go getting a lot of attention on Twitter about how, like, why isn't Tibbs letting Obi play more on the Pacers? <laughs> um, I just want to put it out there. And then I got a notice, because obviously I drafted Obi in one of my two fantasy leagues. I would have drafted him in both if I could have. I really believe in him. And I think the fit is good with the Pacers. But I got this notification from Yahoo Fantasy Sports that, like, 3,124 teams have dropped Obi Toppin, basically like suggesting that I should do the same. I tweeted that they're all fools, and I just want to put it out there that I'm still it's still topping time. I'm still on Obi Island forever, forever. Nothing will change it, no matter how this goes in Indiana. But I'm rooting for Obi. Rooting for Obi in Indiana. Want to see him do better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really miss Obi Toppin, and I am definitely rooting for him in Indiana. I'm not rooting for the bases, but I want to see Obi. Obi get paid, and I want to see him. You know, especially as a New Yorker, see see him do well. But those jokes were fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I feel like you're right. Just give him a little bit more time with Tyrese. I'm sure they're gonna figure it out. Like that first performance was like a patent Obi topping performance, trying to get the most out of limited minutes. And kudos to him. I, I, I hope he can he can have a long and and fruitful career we got the better topping we got jacob topping on the fucking knicks all right so <laughs> only topping i'm respecting right now
2: <laughs> all right that about wrap up this episode all right so before we before we wrap up i want to make sure we take a moment i want to be careful with how i say this i know you know we're here talking about sports and for us we're, we have that privilege where we're able to use sports as kind of a distraction and just remain in our own bubble. Um, but reality is that there's so much going around going on around the world, uh, especially in the Middle East. And there's atrocities of a level that's beyond our own imagination. That's, that's taking place as we speak right now. So, you know, we want to offer our, our, our prayers and want to make sure that, you know, you guys are listening here are, are taking the time in to learn, to educate yourselves we're educating ourselves every day um and just donate um to the cause. Uh there's there unfortunately isn't as much. It feels like there isn't much that we can do. Um, but you know, there there are people, families right now that are being torn apart, um, and just kids, children, innocent lives just being taken away um by feels like the minute. So please, please donate. Um, please show your support. We'll make sure to donate um and we'll make sure to share. Uh, links to where you can donate and show your support um, for, you know, the families that are being lost right now. Um, Please take a moment. um, And yeah. Uh, And that is really what we wanted to end the episode on. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Nickish YC. And yeah, that's all we got for today. Take care, everyone. Peace.
1: Yeah.